Straight Out of Gibraltar, sponsored by Coca Cola. Welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar, bringing you interviews and all the best music from the Gibraltar music scene. If you like what we do, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash straight out of Gibraltar. Good afternoon, guys. Welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar. This is season two, and obviously with season two, brings a lot of great new episodes and of great new guests as well. Obviously, the, the podcast comes to you bi-weekly, and we're very grateful that the podcast is sponsored by Coca-Cola, so it's even better than that. So we can continue on with our guest, and obviously our guest, we've been announcing it for a few weeks now, and I would see he's here today to join us. So, Christian Santos, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good? Good, thanks you. Good, thank you. One question, do you like Coca-Cola? Of course. I do add Coke Zero, I must say. Okay, Coke Zero. <laughs> We're healthy enough. But yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a little, little over to our sponsors there. So thank you, Christian, for joining us. Christian, very simple question. Obviously, you've been, I want to say you came, you came from the golden generation of vocalists in Gibraltar. Obviously, there was Andre Martin and then Dylan Ferro and many others. But what would you say your humble beginning started? Um, me getting in the arts as a whole uh, started when I was... I come from a generation where there was a lot of creative people, like the ones you've mentioned, we'll speak about them a bit uh, later on, but not that many opportunities. Yeah. Uh, we had to kind of make our own opportunities um, and give ourselves, you know, look for, th- look for things to do. And uh, I was very involved in the drama side when I was younger. Uh, and then when my voice broke, I was, you know, in the school choir and then I took it a bit more seriously. And... Um, we we kept a lo- we had a lot of initiative. That's one thing that our generation has, and that's why I have. There's a lot of people from my age band who are achieving great things at the moment, and I think it's because we were forced to be go getters, yeah. you know. And um, you know, in school, working with the, the, the chappies were great influences, and Christine Thompson in the drama side was also fantastic. And it was a, a matter of hard work, and 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 then just developing into having a dream and saying, listen, I, I actually want to go and do this. As a career, I wasn't, you know, I had the grace to do law and all those things. And uh, I had 
a good support network, you know, that said, my parents said, okay, you want to do this, you're going to be happy, then go forth and start your music. <laughs> and it's pretty crazy, so I think it's like you said, only had to use your imagination back then, and obviously cultural grants and stuff like that didn't really exist back then, like you men mentioned, they're very limited as to what you could do and even not, not do at the same time. You mentioned the chappies right there. Everyone uses them as prime examples, myself included, obviously, because I started music with them. But how instrumental would you say they are today, considering that you work with them now on a personal level as well? For me, the chappies are instrumental nowadays and relevant because everyone who's working with those kids now, with kids now, have come from that stable. And for me, they're my, my go-to guys, you know? I, I've got a great personal relationship with them. Um, I have them as part of the board of the academy and any advice, well, I will always go to them because there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of us doing a lot of things that are very important in the community, but I always like going back to where, you know, where I started and being like, okay, where am I going with this? What do you see? What do you think? And they're very proud of what we're all achieving. And myself, I can speak for myself. And But for me, they are my main influences, and not just in music, but just as people and how they went about teaching kids and their passion for music is something I always try and go back to. And I speak to them very often, and, and I always try and, and keep myself level-headed. And it's pretty cool as well, because like you mentioned, that generation to come from them, even when some things were limited, they still made it happen. And to give you that push to say, okay, you can sing, you can play guitar, you can play piano. So Yeah, they were there for all of us. They were a huge inspiration and they were they kind of pushed you to your own limits, you know, to your potential and made you achieve what you know what you really wanted to and, and, and it's great to have them as, as a support network. Oh absolutely. Can I agree more? You mentioned obviously well, like, you, when your voice broke is when you primarily joined the choir, those choirs in particular and everything else. But what would you say, or who would you say was your main influence to get into vocal a bit, uh, vocals and obviously to start singing yourself? Do you mean like someone famous that yeah, inspired yeah, me? Yeah. Or... It could be anyone local as well, it doesn't really matter. Well, I'll tell you, this is quite a fun fun story for me. I don't really tend to speak about it, but I remember I've always been in, into music and I always get the question of what's your favourite song, what's your favourite singer, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> hundreds I listen to people and I love it and I love all different types of music and not in a corny way like oh I'm very open ended no I genuinely listen to a lot of vocalists and I love a lot of different styles and gain a lot actually one person who inspired me just because I'll tell you why she's gonna think oh gosh but Andrea Martin was one of those people and I'll tell you why she was a friend of mine socially and she was you know at the time when People didn't really like singing shows and she was like the starlet here. And it was one of those things that being around her, I thought, oh my gosh, oh, she sings like this. So let's let's hear it and try and 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 think, well, if she can do it, you know, and, and our friendship got us there. But I have to say my first performance was with another female vocalist of the time, Jessamine Scruton. And she uh, really believed in my skill and, and, and really was the first one that took me out there. So it's actually local people that have always influenced me because famous people are always there. Yeah. But it's the fact that someone else of your surroundings can achieve and do something are the ones that I always felt pushed me into it. Yeah. The same I will go, and I don't want to jibber jabber on, but the fact that Dylan, who is a friend of mine, and we studied together and they made it as Men and Diesel, is what makes me tell my kids, listen, Someone around my circle could do it, so can you. Yep. So I always try and go back to my local surrounding and see what, what can yep. be achieved. It's better to be inspired in a way by locals. As like you mentioned, you can tell your students too that if they, this particular band or even this particular artist made it onto the big time, even if it's just relevant onto Spain or whatever, but they made it, you know, no matter what. And Charlie Champion, prime example as well, did it with Lelon de Levance and yeah. which we'll play in a little bit. 
But it was all those people like them, Charlie Chaplin and obviously Helen as well, but Zelda Fedor and all the others, mm -hmm. even the ones that you grew up watching yourself. Exactly. So that make it make it happen for you in every sense of the word. Exactly. You've got all the people you've mentioned. You've got the Albert Hammonds who, who, who said, I'm going to do something with this and did. And it's all about how you measure success as well. Because yep. you can measure success in music by being Whitney Houston or you can measure it by earning a living doing music. Yep. Because what do you want from music? You know, for me, it was always about I don't want to see myself maybe stuck in an office doing something that's not my passion and I'd rather earn a living from it in whatever field, be it famous or singing or performance or directing or right now what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so it's how do you measure success and how do you teach success of how other kids can measure success? Absolutely. So we're going to play Lelo and Lelo Ones, which Charlie Chaplin was a part of. So this is all I want and obviously one to be enjoyed if you've never listened to it before. And if you have, you're in for a treat. So enjoy it, guys.
So that was All I Want by Lelo and the Levance. And for people who are not aware, Charlie Chappie was actually the keyboard player for that particular band. And obviously, it was probably one of the best things to come out from Gibraltar back then. Obviously, they were based in the UK, but three of them were Gibraltarian. And it's a great track. It's a great album, too. If you haven't never checked it out, it's on YouTube. You can check it out. So do so, if you please. So we're going to progress even further. Obviously, Christian, you mentioned going away to study. And obviously, going away to study, you did a lot of things even after your studies. But when you went to study, what was your initial instincts as to what you set out to do? I wasn't too sure at the time what my specific journey was going to be. I knew it was going to be in the arts. I, I didn't know exactly what. So my degree uh, was in contemporary arts. So I did fine art, uh, dance, performance and music. And then after that, in my third year, I decided that I wanted to do musical theatre or train in musical theatre. So I auditioned and I did uh, my postgrad in Mountview Conservatory. Yeah. And I did acting and musical theatre. And that's my studies. And then after that, I was working. Um, yeah. I was working abroad for 12 years. And the, the rest of it is it's just history, like I say. Yeah, you know, it worked fine for me. I was always working. I, I, I worked in London in, in, the, in the opera circuit for a little bit. I'm not an opera singer. I just, I don't know, I, I fell into the Holland Park Opera season. And um, I did a lot of cabaret work. I did a lot of freelance productions. I did a lot of original works in a lot of festivals. And then I got into working with Disney. Yeah. And I was there for six years with them. And um, I did the cruise and then I did Tokyo. I did a book casting in the office. And then, you know, the time came that I thought either I stay and I venture into a career with Disney. Or what happened with me was, um, it's bizarre, it's like not a, a midlife crisis or quarter life crisis. But at 30, I was going to be 30. And I thought, you need to make a, a move now. Do you want to carry on working as a performer? And I didn't see myself full-time performing when I was like yep. my age now. And I look back now and I think it's the best choice ever because I love performing. You know, I do my comedy shows. I do my odd cabaret here and there. But I can't imagine waking up every morning, putting on a costume and doing someone else's work. Yeah. And my creativity was somewhere else. And it got to a point where I thought, I want to have an academy of music. And I want to do a, have a production company and get more in the production side and create. Yeah. And... That's when I came back to Chip. Obviously, through the production side, obviously through years of travels, you see it from a different angle mm. as well. Um, how was it like to go for Disney? Obviously, how did that happen? Uh, well, I had an agent at the time, and um, I was doing. Um, I did this episode of this series for. It was for BBC at the time, and I met this. Uh, I was working with this other actor who was going for an audition for it was Disneyland Paris or something like that. So I called my agent. I said, "Listen, I know." A lot of people just want to do West End or anything, but I kind of want to do Disney, find out. And he called back and he said, listen, I'm not going to send you for Disney in Paris because it's a different gig, but there's something happening on the cruise. So he auditioned. It was quite arduous. Disney's quite special in their auditions, actually. So um, I'd auditioned before for Disney, but for a different, it was for Lion King that I was really miscasting. Uh, it was a really bizarre story. Uh, anyway, I had to go 14 times. I went wow. 14 times. I thought, oh, they'll be seeing me for for one of the, like Timon and Pumbaa or something, because they're, they're the white people. It's, it's a majority is a black cast um, or other ethnicities, Asians as well. Um, but white people is only two or three people. And then randomly for one of the final callbacks, he sent me this music to sing for Simba. And I thought, I'm really wasting my time here. Like Simba's never going to be... A white <laughs> character, it's not a white character. 
So after that, when I went to the audition anyway for 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 um, it was a cruise line, it was the same casting director. So it was again, and I thought, and I told him like seriously, like you're not going to do the same thing. And we had a nice little rapport. So they got us singing, they got us dancing, they measure you, they look at your facial features, everything in case, you know, you can p- perform as, as, as a character or, or similar as, to one of the characters in the shows. And then I, I don't know, got cast in, in the cruise ship for a few of their shows. And um, I went there for two years. And then when I was in the States, um, they called a few of us for the auditions in Japan. So when we stopped in Orlando, we had to travel to the center of Orlando. Um, and they auditioned for Disneyland Tokyo, which was a really, not bizarre audition. It was just really, um, specific that they asked you for specific songs. They took you to different rooms and they measured us. Then they looked at us physically because remember when you go to Japan, when we go for the, for the Japanese, we're all meant to look American Yeah, true. for them. Like, (laughs) it's like the American dream. I looked nothing like an American. Like, when I don't now, and I did less than <laughs> two years in the Caribbean on a cruise ship, I was, like, very dark. And I remember when I first, um, when they first offered me the job to go to Japan, they asked me, they're like, you, you need to lose your tan. You cannot come this dark. Mm-hmm. And we need to put a wig on. Because Disney has a, I don't know if you know this, but it's, I don't know, it's all over the internet, but... Disney has a lookbook. They give you a lookbook, and there's certain things that you, you can't have a beard, you you can't have sideburns, <laughs> you can't show your shoulders, all this. And one of the things they had was different hairstyles that you could have. <laughs> so when I got to Japan and I did my trying of my wigs, which I was a bit mortified because I thought, really, am I going to have to wear a wig every day? <laughs> like, uh, we had to ask for special permission for me not to have a wig, and I had to shave my beard. That was for sure. They still don't allow it. <laughs> and um, that was great. I was there. I was approved for all the shows. So I kept on changing shows. I did two shows at a time at one time. And Disneyland Tokyo is 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 a, is a bit different. It's um, The park I was in is not just for kids. So the shows are in big theaters. It was fantastic. It was a fantastic experience, which has given me loads of friendships that now are people who are the heads of departments. So it's yeah. great to have that contact at the moment. So it helps. It's great. <laughs> and obviously, you mentioned to come back to Gibraltar. You mentioned obviously forming an academy or a production company, even at the time. But what was the initial instinct as to why you wanted to do launch this? Was it because obviously you wanted the young crop to have those opportunities that you never had? The production side of it was basically I was a bit tired of doing someone else's work and standing where someone else had stood a bit before. And that for me was a bit soul breaking, soul destroying. Really, yeah. that's not where my head is at. You know, there's people who. Love that, and there's people who I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, but after a while, I was like, okay, end, end to this. And then the academy was also a part of. I wanted to work with younger people because I find young people very inspiring, and I would always want to inspire them. But for me, it was a bit not selfish, but a bit like I find the energy of young people and, and how they grow artistically very inspiring. And I yeah. just wanted to develop that a bit. And we started basically. I started with seven kids in a group of singing. Yeah. That was like the choir at the time, but it wasn't even a choir. It was like an ensemble. Then in a few months, we had 11. And then randomly, I did High School Musical, a concert version of it. And I had like 30 kids after that. And we started with the choir. And then I, I, I got a place. Um, I, I, I put money in. I invested into making it into a studio. And then I slowly started with Santos Productions Academy. And then, you know, I always had this, we need an academy where we can hire and employ lots of different tutors. 
who will teach these kids yeah. piano, music, singing, um, violins, tech, dance, perform everything under one roof. And it's a dream that I've always had. And I've always fought for. And I think I've always put my money where my mouth is. You know, because there's a lot of people who think, oh, they always give him stuff. I kind of didn't have a secure nine to five job because I put all my energy and all my money and all my investment into doing this full time. Yeah. And pushing for it and fighting for it and meeting with ministers and getting budgets and seeing, making business plans, developing courses, seeing how it... So I've always fought for it and it's happened. Yeah, and lo and behold, is where we are today. Exactly. So and when you mentioned, obviously, with having seven at the beginning, obviously, salsa came from that as well. But when you have seven, and obviously, was it very important for you to find someone who had the fact of someone who was willing to learn and actually get better so the years went on? Exactly. I had fantastic people when I started. Yeah. My first year, you know, I had Corinne Cooper, Jesse McLaren, Jeremy Perez. I, I, I had a fantastic group at the beginning of kids, and I, I, I'm never going to be able to mention all of them. And then, you know, we had Simon in the Dumas, who's now doing outstanding yeah. work. Um, Simon Boland, who's now currently like touring UK. Yeah, he's in the West End. Yeah. We, exactly. We, I, I've been very fortunate to have an amazing group of kids throughout my 10 years or 11 years that I've been back. But my first crop was really hungry because they had nothing at the time. Yeah. A lot of the kids who are joining now, they've been with me since they were five or they've seen it happen. But those kids had nothing mega at the time. So they were starving for it. And the energy is great. So much so my original boys are my best men at my wedding. Like Jerry, Jeremy, Jesse and Simon are my <laughs> best men because I've become who I've become in Gibraltar because of kids like them. Yeah. And I always teach my younger generations that. Like, you know, you may not know them. You may not know who they are, but they are the reason you are here today. Yeah, absolutely. and I'm always very happy for it because not only were they immense talents, they're also great people and great friends. You know, yeah. who will hopefully keep this going when we grow old. <laughs> yeah, and we talked about Simon. I think we could talk about Simon, like the rest of the crop, like you mentioned, Jeremy and obviously Jesse and all the others. Like I think we could spend the entire podcast just talking about them and the talents, but. Simon in particular, he's the one that's made it right now. Obviously, he's with King Calloway. He's going to open up for Garth Brooks in a few days. But what's it like for you to see that happen and to see him grow as a musician from both emerging from the local music scene to an international music scene now? This is, um, for me, Simon, for example, that, that we're speaking about now, is it goes above and beyond the teaching and the music side because we have a great relationship like that goes beyond that so for me i'm incredibly proud of his achievement with music he was always going to and i always told him and i had this conversation with his mom years ago and now he was always going to make it that was never a question but my job now with simon and i and before he went and we meet up all the time and um my job with simon now and my pride comes from me keeping him sane and okay I, I don't, Keeping I, his head together for this. Yes, I like it's something that always concerned him because musically, you know, he will come back, and every time he's come back, we always have classes. He's like, "Get me back into shape." Like, very, I understand his voice very well, and he's like, "Get me back, get me back." And before he went, we went through his songs. He showed me all of them. He's like, "How can I make this happen?" But re like right now, where we're at is, uh, I know you're doing great. How are you doing? Where's your head at? Yeah. Uh, what do you need? How can we? And we just bring it back to Simon and Christian and Jesse and Jeremy and all these people. We have a group together yeah. that we just go, your music, let's deal with it somewhere else. And pride in the person he's become. Yeah. And what makes me proud is his talent. Yeah, I nurtured his talent, but you know, for me it was about making him a person who was a leader in his band. Yeah. And when the band becomes really big, you will see how Simon will be the one 
keeping it all together. And that's where I feel my major part has been, is in making these people artists as people, not just yeah. in their That's the thing. I mean, I think it's more than anything else. It's you, you got it or you got, you got it or you don't. But it's more so they're very natural people. They're very yeah. humble. Despite what they've yeah, achieved, yeah, yeah. you know, no matter, yeah. no matter what they achieve, I think, like, I remember when Ken Calloway was announced and everything else, I've mentioned this before, but uh, Simon sent me a message, and it was a very sweet one as well, he was saying, thank you for always promoting my music, because he's made it already, he's yeah. already there, but he shouldn't have done that, but he did, yeah. and I think that there's no better feeling than that for, my, for myself as a music journalist, so, so I can imagine how much it feels, for, it felt for you to see that happen, and see that, to even... Visualize that in your head. Of course, much. the process. Remember, with Simon, for example, we've always been very much in touch um, all the time. Like when, when this was happening, like when he called, like the first, this. I knew this for months. Eh? Remember, months. His parents <laughs> knew. We knew we had to keep it quiet. But from his first meeting with them, when he was called, yeah, I don't know. I think it was over summer that I met up with him, and he was signing his contract. But this was like. Before he finished, like it must have been April last year or yeah. something that he was first seen. So being in the, involved with him at every step of the way, it's for me, it's like major. It's, like, I'm for, and I'm just so happy for him. Like there's no, it goes beyond pride. It goes into a level of, my gosh, like this kid is really going to live his dream. Absolutely. And that you are, that like for me, being a, a part of it, however minimal or major or however much he considers is incredibly for me, it's not about what part I feel I've played. That's irrelevant, really. It's what part he feels I've played. Yeah. And that's what really makes me proud. I'm like, my God, this kid really thinks that I've been very instrumental in, in this for him. No? Yeah. And, and that, for me, is pride. Like, whatever part I've played is irrelevant. Yeah. The kid is good and that's it, you know? Agreed. And the kid is going to be good whether, he, you know. But it's very key. I mean, like, I remember even, like you mentioned, like, you obviously the fact that you knew and everything that was happening. He messaged me and asking me, he's, obviously, because we went to the 100 Club in 2017, and he's like, oh, I've got an article about this and obviously about everything else. I'm like, yeah, I can scan it for you. I'm like, what's it for? He's like, well, I can't tell you yet. Yeah. So I was a bit intrigued as to what was going to happen. And then once I saw everything, I'm like, oh, so that's what he meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a big thing. And obviously, we're going to go back even further. We're not going to play King Calloway today. We're going to play uh, this side up. So, so take it back to his original roots. And to people who've never heard this, it's an even better treat. So this is Delilah, which is actually my favorite this side up track as well. So we'll play that and we'll be back after this. We stepped inside without a warning It only took one glance for me to know A drink or two and you'd be mine in the morning Without a single care in the world Singing songs of life for sweet romance Teenage life can be pretty sweet sometimes so I asked this girl of mine if she's into dancing And we dance away the night When I'll be thinking of you Delilah, Delilah, Delilah Yeah, I'll be dreaming of you Delilah Enough for you each time I always knew this girl would be a 
back to Simon Dumas's humble beginnings with the, the side up. Obviously, we talked about his evolution from being as part of the Santos production choir to also youth choir, the side up, and obviously King Calloway. And obviously, uber proud of him. And we, I think I speak for Christian and myself as to how much he's flying the flag high. And we can't wait to see him very, very soon. We won't reveal too much as to why we say very soon, though. <laughs> we'll get into trouble if we do. But anyway, we're going to move on to part three. And obviously, we, you mentioned one uh, this particular gent as well. And obviously, this particular gent who's not really the one to say that he wasn't born with it. He, he was born with it because he was around it his entire life from the beginning, from the moment he was born to present day, he's always been around us. Jesse McLaren, who, yeah, of <laughs> which I think we can also dive into further as to how humble he's become and obviously how much of a great songwriter he's become over the years. So tell us about seeing Jesse for the first time. What was that like? Well, Jesse auditioned for the talent show that I did when I first got, came back. Um, it was called Star Search, which he won. And I remember when he first auditioned, I thought, who the hell is this kid? Before he actually performed. Because you know how Jesse is, like, if you know Jesse, like, he's this ball of energy, yeah? yeah absolutely. And uh, he walked in, and he was, like, 12 years old, and he was like, yeah, because I want And he just started talking, and I thought, who on earth is this kid? And then he performed, and he's, he was always, you know, fantastic. So he won Star Search, and then he's one of these... He's been one of my right hand playing on ever since, you know. He's there by your side. He's loyal. He's loyal. But loyal not just to you as a person, just loyal to himself, his yeah. music, his family, and um, his dad. Well, Stephen, his dad is great. His mum, Eva. And he's been very fortunate. He's been around music and amazing musicians because yeah. his dad comes from a generation of awesomeness you know you've yeah, got agreed. the after hours and that you know hesitates all these that generation is another generation that i think really did a lot for the local music scene now that's Absolutely. a whole other program but you know we could speak about hesitates or after hours all these groups um jade even a bit older all these people forever yeah I these think people so. still to this day i think are some of the greatest musicians that we have locally agreed. because they've come from that 
do-it-yourself school, you know. They don't, they didn't necessarily have a teacher there, you know. They did it themselves and they did amazingly well. Talking about Jesse Sober, I have no, to mention in this okay. podcast <laughs> the amazingness that is that people think I joke about. I don't. I think he's one of the best singers ever, Giles Ramirez, who's works with, who's like Jesse's uncle. Yeah. Giles for me is one of the best voices I have heard in my life. I will go that far. And imagine being Jesse and having that in your house every other day. Yeah. And then his dad and his guitars and his guitar skills come from, you know, one of the top here. Yeah, absolutely. So that's Jesse and how he has developed. Jesse's now in London making music and doing it the right way for him. Yeah. He's recording, he's getting his stuff together and he's got... um, some stuff lined up as well. And he's recording an EP at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we'll look forward to. He's well. mixing it now. Yeah. It's all recorded. He's kind of mixing it and choosing it. It'll, it'll probably be available very soon. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But obviously, what was it? Obviously, you mentioned his energy, but and obviously the fact that he's always had it around him is the blessing and obviously like a, a blessing in disguise because sometimes yeah. even without trying and even without it being forced on, which is not uh, the case at all, he's actually got this talent and this talent yeah. to get out there and this charisma. I just say, like you said, ball of energy all the, all the way through. I remember seeing him on National Day. Obviously, I ran into him. Obviously, said hi. spoke to him for a while. Always going to be the same. You know, very grateful, very loyal, like you mentioned. And very loyal to his roots. And I think the fact that he can still go to, like, even not go to his dad directly, but to go to a Giles, to go to a Nolan Frendo, to actually say, oh, man, I'm working on this. Can I get some advice? And still, you know, it shows you how much he wants to improve. As a person and as a musician, we must never forget that. But he's done it, you know, in every sense of the word. He's, like you said, loyal, just overall great person. And I could never be any prouder of Jesse every time I see him. He's constantly switched on. He's he's switched on to who he is as a person, who he is as a musician, how to be a great person all round. He's very switched on. Like he knows what, and, and even when he doubts himself, it's his doubts because of who he is and where his place is. It's never about, what should I be doing? He knows 100% what suits him. His doubts will always come from, but is what, am I, what I'm doing good comparatively? And I'm always like, we don't, we don't go there. Like, we are all who we are. The yeah. second you know who you are, and I'm like, Jesse, that's the one thing you've got, that you've known who you are, very young. That yeah. is the best thing that could have ever happened to you, you know? So, yeah, he's another one of, you know. One of the best ones. <laughs> you know what happens? I... Always go back to them because, and I always tell my young ones, I did my 10 year anniversary last yeah, August. Which is great show. And I told, myself. thank you. And I told my young ones, I'm like, that's the reason why you're here. Those people made what you're doing now happen. Because you see this big academy, you see 300 students walking in and out, doing all types of, of things. We had seven to start off with in a room that we hired hopping, skipping, and jumping around chip. That's where it all began. Yeah. And that's why I never forget that. And you have a lot to live up to. And I'm very fortunate. I always have a very special place for the Jesse, Jeremy, Corinne, Karina, the two people who's now teaching. Yeah. All these kids, Adriana and Hannah and all these people, and they will always come back. And I will always have their back. Because they started what gives me now a, st- a, a group of hundreds of kids that I look at now and I think, my gosh, you're doing amazing. I've got lots of kids in conservatoires and drama schools and music academies. And you think, but, you know, the first group is always that that, yeah. that one that you think they started it all. And they'll be the ones that, you know, will inspire younger generations. And then that's how it grows. Yeah. And it's always fun, like you mentioned, obviously, to 
tell your students to aspire to someone like them. It's like you mentioned, a small room, but yeah. from something very small, it became this exactly. the entity, really. Yeah. More than an entity, the institution is the right no, entity. Yeah. And it's become this thing where people look forward to it, and obviously yeah. they look forward to seeing the likes of Jesse perform. And even when you see them yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. you see that, oh my God, I remember when he was that young. Yeah, and you, yeah. you always think back as uh, to the way they were before they all started. And more than anything, you see them develop as people, which is yeah. the best feeling in the exactly. world. But we're going to play Jesse Tree, and obviously Jesse Tree is never a miss on the show. We play them, I think, endlessly with many of our guests. We had Paul Chibolina choose in one of his tracks. Uh, we told had Robert Perez as well. So everyone chooses Jesse, and there is no better feeling to choose someone like Jesse because he is overall a great songwriter and a great human being. So this is his first track when he actually formed the Jesse Tree, and he actually go, went under the, the Jesse Tree name, which is Home, which is one of my favorite tracks all around. So we're going to play that, and we'll be back with part four after this. Sense just me 
And we're back with part four. That was the Jesse Tree with Home, and I hope you enjoyed that. And we got to speak about the third person that you mentioned, who's also going to be one of your best men at your wedding. And obviously, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously a great musician all around, but one of the, as I say, one of the best songwriters as well, composer as well from, uh, from the local music scene, doing a lot of stuff in Manchester. And obviously, once he finishes his studies, I'm pretty sure he'll give back to the local music scene in every sense of the word. And obviously, similar to Jesse, he's got, got it in his DNA all the way through. Of course, Jeremy Pettis. So tell us about Jeremy and all those experiences and working with him as well. Okay. Jeremy is one of the people, I will always say this, is one of the people who, as a natural vocal, is the person I have had to do the least amount of work on. His voice is just there. Yeah. Like his voice is... I sent from heaven, I tell you. Like, for example, the work I did with, with Jeremy was always about performance and how to perform on stage and, and, you know, refining what is giving him technique, of course, technical uh, advice and making him understand how his voice works. But his voice is, is, is just, yep. please, what he, that boy can do. I'm like, I will never. And I always told him, I'm like, I wish I could do half of the things that you can do with that voice. Yep. And um, the same, he's... Um, He's currently doing his master's, so he's here in Jib, or he's in Manchester, and he's here and there. And uh, so he's working with us at the moment at the academy, doing covering some classes. And and you know, Jeremy is another one that has been very present throughout yeah. the his studies as well. You know, we always go back, and every time this, they come back, we always meet up, and we always you know touch base. And um, they're so different, those three boys. You know what happens with those three boys? They're a perfect example of three people who had nothing in common as performers, yet were able to work together in the most seamless manner. Yeah. Whatever I threw at them, one of them was always going to be stronger at something. And it was just such a privilege to be able to have them for such a long period of time. And through teaching that people like them, I honed my skills to be able to kind of teach Almost anyone, really. Yeah, and it's great all around. But you mentioned obviously what just had happened, but obviously with the fact you mentioned obviously um, Jeremy, but his, um, his father Robert, obviously was yeah. part, was part of After Hours as well. So what was it like for you to watch After Hours growing up, and obviously then teaching his son as the evolution went on? Um, for me, After Hours was my band of reference. You know, when exactly. I used to know exactly because you kind of go to the, these parties and these people were like, you know, they were a bomb, they were everywhere, and they were fantastic. Had it, it wasn't like a like a tribute or like, um, you know, the show band that was quite crappy. Yeah. Very good. Please, like that drum kit that Ivan has is, you know, it's yeah. we're not talking Tecata Minuta here. It's like, <laughs> it's like massive. Like it's, and, and um, Trevor and then the keys, like all of them, yeah. Jerry Fortuna and, and Robert, like they were all fantastic. So for me, having his son was like, oh gosh, here we go. Like, what do you have to teach? Because this is, this is something that I always think about. I always have this thing that I, I read a, a great article today by, by, by this other choir director. And he mentioned something that I always feel like, I always feel like an imposter. Okay. You know, when you look at other people and you think, oh my gosh, they're so amazing. And you always look at yourself and you think, you're achieving things, but is anyone realizing that I'm just a child or that I'm not good enough? You always have that self-doubt. And I'm a very confident person. And I know I come across as very confident, which I am. But there's always that moment, that little monster that goes, and are you going to be able to, you know, deliver? I see myself in situations, like it happened when I was first in, in Disney. I thought, I've got thousands of people here. Like, do they not yeah. realize I'm not good enough, kind of, you know? Yeah. And you think, what am I doing? And you constantly find yourself having to prove this. And when Jeremy came along, I thought, oh my gosh, he comes from a 
great musician. Now, where am I going to go with this? And then speaking to people like Robert, uh, Jeremy's dad, or Stephen McLaren, or, or Giles, all these people, Andrea, all these people, and I speak to them, and they speak to me with, uh, they speak to me um, with such respect, and I think, my gosh, I would bow down to you right this very second. Like, you know what I mean? And I always <laughs> have that doubt that I'm sure everyone has that, you yeah. know? Because today I read this article, and it was this this guy who was major in the quiet scene in the world, and I thought, this man thinks it's the same. Because <laughs> you always think, Jesus, you're much... Because I always think people are better than me, you know? Yeah. I always think that. And that's why I strive to be better all the time. Yeah, you have to. So imagine, when Jeremy walks in with that voice already, that gift of a voice with a dad that's come from... With a dad that's also a great singer as well, and not just yeah. a bassist, I think, my gosh, what am I going to do with this? And then you just... You know, you just teach them what you know and you hope it works. And now, hopefully, people like Jeremy will look at me and say, my gosh, how am I going to, you know? And my job yep. now with these guys is to kind of mentor them into being the best that they can be in whatever it is they choose. It's the best feeling in the world. Exactly. For me, it is, you know. I mean, we can't go, like, when you, we mention after hours, everyone has an after hours story. I'm pretty sure there isn't a drill sermon that you know that doesn't have an after hours yeah. story. <laughs> so it's always great to talk about them, no, no matter what. But obviously with Jeremy, like, the fact that he's getting out there, he's going to release an EP as well very soon. Obviously, he's been releasing the material for his SoundCloud, is obviously Spotify and all these digital yeah. music platforms. But what's it like for you to get a hands-on preview of this material, like, to... Not pretty much give you expertise, but to actually enjoy it and, and say wow to yourself probably a million times. Exactly. I love getting stuff from these kids because um, you've been in that uh, creative process before yourself. Like for me, I've been in that creative process and then they've got many more opportunities than we ever had. And then I can hear that when they compose and make music themselves, I can hear 100% of them in it, you know? Yeah. And that's where I go, Wow. Maybe some I like more, some I like less, you know, but it's always 100% them. Yeah. And for me, listening to that is like, it's like getting to know them that little bit better. You know, for yeah. other people, I think, my gosh, they've been very brave putting this out there because it's about them 100%, their music. And, and that's what composing or producing anything is always like. It's that little bit of you that you put out there that people will get yeah. to know you that little bit better. And I'm very proud that usually I will always like it. You know, it's like a parent and their child. I can be critical a lot of the time, but when they give me feedback, when they say this is my finished product, I will either like it or not, but always view it as as neutral as I can. When they ask me for advice, then I have to like sit back and say, yeah, this is kind of not working for me, or this is working, or why choose this or why choose that? But you know. It's always a great hands-on preview. So sometimes it's a very good embargo to have. I mean, I must admit myself. But anyway, we're going to play Jeremy, and this is High, which is a great track all around. It reminds me a lot of Stevie Wonder for some reason. Every time I listen, that's to what it. he loves. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and every time I listen to it with the bass lines and everything else, yeah. it's very Stevie Wonder, very jazzy, very, very soulful. I mean, right. so we're going to play Jeremy Bellis's new single High, which was released a few weeks ago, and we'll be back with the final track after this. Hope you enjoy it, guys.
Everyone say oh, obviously we don't have an audience, so we can't really say that. <laughs> say <it> myself. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously we, we we touched on the grounds, and obviously even more ground we're going to touch on now with the next person that we're going to play, whose music we're going to play rather. So obviously this particular person, you mentioned Corinne Cooper before, and yeah. obviously we can talk about Corinne Cooper endlessly, like we can talk about all the, these kids, but obviously Corinne has got a new project, something very different to what she's normally used to. But obviously, what's it like for you to listen to this and even to hear about it for the first time? So Corinne um, has always had many strings to her bow. Um, is that actually a term? I invented it. Yeah. So, so <laughs> it it's not well, you know, we can always make fun of it later. <laughs> so uh, she's always had, uh, you know, many different sides to her vocals. She um, has done classical. She's done musical theatre. She's done pop. She's done rock. So what she's doing now, I think, is great for her because it's very much. Okay, let's call it symphonic rock. Yeah. A bit like Night Wish, not like Night Wish ish. Yeah. And um, it's great for her, I'll tell you why. It gives her the musical theater side to her training with the performances of the songs, which are very much like a story. Yeah. And um, the power, the powerful vo voice we're all used to. Absolutely. As well as a little bit of her classical. Training and it's all a bit. Very, it's very meatloafy in in, in yeah, the, I agree. you know. Yep. And this has been going on for a while because Corinne went over 
to do musical theatre. And then she, when she started auditioning, she met her husband, she fell pregnant. And uh, then she fell pregnant again. And if you ever, I'm not going to give Corinne's story, but if you ever have Corinne, please ask her about her second pregnancy because that is the best story ever. Because Corinne is one of these people that if you know her, you think, yet yeah, that doesn't happen to real people. It happens to her. Everything. So she kind of left music parked in the for the public eye yeah. but or the public ear, let's say. But this project that she's doing now has been going on in the background for the past couple of years. She's been writing a lot of it. She's actually written it, written the songs. And there's like an album coming out. She's got a single, but there's an album coming out in a few months. So she wrote everything while she was like, you know, taking care of her kids yeah. and her pregnancies. And... Um, She's releasing it now. So it's been in the works for a while. So I know that this was happening. I'm like, Corinne, Corinne, come on. When's it happening? When's it happening? And the time is now. And it's ferocious for me. I love this type of music, though. So It's like you mentioned, it's very meatloaf, very musical yeah. theatre as well. Like yeah. I mentioned, like, oh, this genre in particular that you mentioned, is, they're all stories. And yeah. when I went to see Battle Hill by Meatloaf, obviously by Jim Steinman in October, November, and obviously all these stories, all these songs by Meatloaf, which you never thought would be transcended into a story, actually ended up being a story. And it worked. So yeah. the same thing can be done with this kind of genre. But what was your initial instinct when you first heard this? Well, I, I really enjoyed it. But I've listened to it a few times. I'll tell you why. First time, I was like, Corinne, your voice is mega. And I didn't really care what she was singing about. Her vocal performance in that track is mega. Yeah. And I was just overwhelmed by what she was doing. But I'm always a bit overwhelmed. I was... Because, for example, well, I have to tell you this. When I did that 11th, 11 year anniversary where the rehearsal Corinne wasn't here she flew over for it and it was uh, she flew over and she got here was who we were dress rehearsing right so we've done the photo shows and it was time to sing and I'm telling you from Dreamgirls which was her uh, Chloe Martinez and Tiffany Ferrari who are another two vocalists uh, to die for houses. yeah so Corinne literally walked running out of breath I was like am I time for something I didn't even hug her she went on stage got the mic and did what is possibly the best vocal performance I've heard her do ever. Ever. I literally sat down. I was in tears. And I know it sounds over the top, but I was literally... So I get really emotionally involved when people have good voices. I just can't help it. Like, I don't care who they are. Where I just... Something takes over me. And this happened. When I heard this, I thought, ah, you're vocal. You're wild. So the first time I vocal, I was like, I'm so proud of vocal. And then I went back and I listened to the track. And I thought, wow, the track is really good too. And then I went back and I watched it on YouTube with the lyrics. And I thought, wow, this is quite an interesting story. So... I really enjoyed it, but I tend to really like this Jim Steinman, like, and it's all coming back yeah. to me now. Uh, Celine Dion, Neil yeah. Loaf. I love that type of epic, yeah, epic rock song, rock ballads. Yeah, I, I love it. So I was kind of biased already. Yeah, that's because I love the style, but I really enjoyed it, like for real. When I listened to it the third time, I was like, "Man, I actually really enjoy it." Don't just enjoy it because it's Korean. Yeah, I exactly. Really like I haven't seen it so, but I can relate. But anyway, obviously, before we play the final track, lo lots of things happening with Gap. Obviously, I think it's the biggest thing to ever happen to Walter. It's like uh, we, most of these musicians, and as I say, even the kids, obviously, want to make a living out of music. And obviously, when they see, like you mentioned, all those stories that some about Simon, the Jeremy, the Jessies, and Chloe's, and all, all the others that have come along the way who have actually made it or even tried to make it out in the outside. What's it like to take this forward in the next millennium, I want to say? For me, it's one of the biggest things, and it's probably this. Being the first founder principal of Gampa is possibly going to be my proudest achievement ever. Because I have been very fortunate. I have a fantastic life. I've had a fantastic life. 
I've worked for everything I have. I have great things happening to me and, and, and great things will continue to happen. But this is going to be one of the things I will look back and hopefully think, thank God I made this happen. Because it will be so integral, not just to artists, but to people here, that we have this institution that is giving so many people work. We have 25 tutors. We have 350 students. We have universities coming over to audition kids. We have these generations of kids who hopefully will come back and do master classes or teach. And I have the future of the, the Chloe's and the Tiffany's and all these, these kids are the future of, yeah. of music locally. And all these younger kids, we've got some kids coming up now who I'm not, I'm not going to mention any names because I've got far too many. And yeah, I'll tell you, you, the strongest generation we have, I've had other 12-year-olds now. I think we're really going to get a large chunk of major artists there. In classical rock, musical theatre, pop, everything. So for me, this is what I feel will be my legacy. It'll be something that I will look back on when I'm old and say, I am so proud that I was a part of that. Yeah. Because it will change the lives of many young people. And it's even better to leave it at that, I think. You could have not said it any better. And I think I can thank you enough for, for many people, music journalists, myself. Obviously, we work a lot together and a lot of things that we do behind the scenes and a lot of things that are happening coming sooner as well. But it's always great to get to know the people that we get to work with and obviously get to know the musicians that yeah. we work with as well. So thank you, Christian, for your time. Thank and you for having me, of course. It's been a pleasure. Obviously, season two premiere, which is going on a little bit later today. So I think people will enjoy it. All these stories, I think we could dive into more stories eventually. Oh, maybe tons in, of stories. Tons of stories about very important people, but I don't think we should have them anyway. <laughs> it's better to leave them in the memories and in the hearts anyway. But anyway, Kristen, thank you for your time. Guys, that was the season two premiere. We'll be back in two weeks, obviously, with a brand new guest. And obviously, be sure to support local music, support everything related to, support, uh, to supporting local music, because when you do, you're keeping local music alive. So we'll leave it at that, and we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you again, and thanks, Christian, for joining us. Thank you.
Flashes of his mother's eyes Heart and soul are one 